Hey everyone, welcome to the very first episode of Groove Lab. Thank you so much for being here. I've got a really special interview today. My friend Justin Cash, he is an incredible guitar player, an incredible songwriter, and just all around a great guy. So stick around to listen to that. But first off, I just wanted to introduce myself. My name is Lauren Alexander. I'm a musician and I've been in the music industry pretty much my whole life. I'm also the mother of a two-year-old. His name is Rhodes, and he's my co-host today. You want to say hi, buddy? Hi. Hi. Hey, welcome to the Groove Lab. I wanted to start this podcast to give people a chance to talk about their art and their music. As everyone knows, this pandemic has really hit the music industry hard. Most of us have lost gigs and lots of income. And being a musician is already a pretty hard job. So I'm hoping this podcast will give some sort of motivation and help keep the music alive. Because really, that's kind of all we've got right now. So each week, I'm planning on bringing you interviews from artists and musicians, and also the people who are working behind the scenes to keep things rolling. Sound people, recording studios, graphic designers, booking agents, tour managers. They're such a huge collective, and I think it will be so cool to hear their perspectives and their stories. So I hope you'll come back each week and hear those stories and help encourage all of these beautiful, creative people. It's going to be fun, and I promise I will get better at this. Hey, Justin. Welcome. Thank you so much for agreeing to be my first ever podcast guest. I honestly cannot think of a better person to kick this off with. We're going to have fun. Yeah, we're going to have so much fun. So let's jump right in. Um, so you're a singer, songwriter, um, and a composer. You play yeah. guitar, mandolin, lap steel, ukulele. I've got a list right here. Um, hopefully I didn't miss anything. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Hey. <laughs> you kind of do it all. Well, but a little <laughs> bit of each. <laughs> um, how did you get started making music? Great question. I think everybody has a moment in their life when they they want to they realize kind of what they're on the earth for. You know what I mean? And maybe for some people it's a flash inspirational moment. Other people it's just gradually like, oh, I noticed that I really like this all the time. Uh, you know, and every time this thing comes up, I'm always really excited about this issue or this thing. I think for me it was just honestly. There's so many little moments that come to, for me, it was more of a gradual process, you know, um, gradually realizing, hey, I'm not very good at basketball, but I am okay at this. Um, <laughs> but uh, I remember just being fascinated by the radio and back in the time when like everything wasn't online yet before the internet was, was everywhere, there used to be this show called Casey Kasem's Top 40 and you would listen to, yes. I don't know if you remember that or... 
but you'd listen to like the, the, the hit songs and they would do a countdown and every week you'd be like oh my gosh what's going to be the number one song and so you actually had to instead of googling billboard you had to actually you know and find out what the top songs are in each genre you had to just listen and so you had to patiently listen to all the ads and then it's like number five number four number three and pretty soon it'd be like okay well i know it's going to be tiffany i think we're alone now because that hasn't come up in the top 10 yet so, oh yeah it was <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it is, you know. And so I remember being fascinated by that. I used to have a paper route as a kid. And so I would get up early in the morning at age 11 or so, and I would throw papers. This is when we lived in New England. And I'd throw papers and, of course, listen to the radio the whole time. And I was just fascinated by, by the way that music made me feel, you know. And I liked kind of all kinds of music. Um, but mostly, I guess, it just started with pop. But um, And even before that, when I was a really little kid, in a, a baby in the crib, um, I used, my parents, we lived in New Mexico where I was born and we had tile floors, like in the Southwest, they have a lot of tile floors, you know? And so we had a, a crib and they would put me in my crib at night. And then in the morning they wake up and my crib would be on the other side of the room. It would have moved actually to over to the other side. And so my parents were like, what is going on in the night? And it wasn't <laughs> super far, Lauren, it was probably like five or six feet, but it would just scoot to the other side of the room. But enough like, okay, I'm, I'm positive. And then they'd be checking, okay, I'm positive. It was right here when we started, and now it's over here. So then they decided, I guess, to stay up one night, just wait to kind of see if everything was okay. They keep checking on me. And then they started to hear this noise, this like, this kind of repeated banging. And so my dad would come in and check on me, and I was sitting on all fours um, like a little dog, you know, and then banging my head against the crib in my sleep. And it would just slowly go, Yep. In your and it would slowly like scoot and it would run into the wall where I couldn't go anymore, you know? And so then they, they were like, okay, this can't be good. Like maybe there's some brain damage that's going to happen if he keeps banging his head against the crib. And so they took the, they went to the, the pediatrician and they're like, Hey, look, you know, explain the situation. And the doctor said, well, let's see. That's awfully odd, but I have heard that it can be a sign of musical talent. <laughs> so. Is this a true story? Or are you making this up? No, that's totally true. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's I love totally that. true. So I guess, I mean, I think it's to some degree, it starts early with people, whatever their, their gift or talent is, you know. But I think also it's a, it can be a gradual process of just discovering, hey, you know, I'm really good at this, but I'm not so good at this. And every time I do this, I feel happy. Right. So um, very so long, protracted answer. No, I love that. That's so interesting. So you were kind of like born a musical genius well i'm not a genius but born with the desire <laughs> definitely like born with the desire and maybe like a fascination or a curiosity that's you know, really cool it, as i'm sure i you love that are, story so, so much sure you are too so. <laughs> so tell me about your day-to-day workflow um i know you play live shows and do session work but you also do music for advertisements what was that called it's called production music where like Basically, you create kind of like a stock photo or say you're going online. You're like, man, I need a photo of a, of a red rose with raindrops on it, you know, and someone will have some photographer somewhere will have taken a picture of a red rose with dewdrops on it. So you download it, you pay five bucks for the stock photo, whatever. So there's a whole kind of music industry backwater of production music where it's like, hey, man, I need something really happy with some ukuleles and whistles. Ukuleles for a and breakfast whistles. Ad. Nice. You know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. Or so, or like, I need some kind of 
something with a lot of tension in this kind of building pulse for like this crime scene or something. So there's, you know, thousands of composers across the world that would have their own home studio set up and they kind of create music like that, sell it to these things called music libraries, which are essentially just like, like a stock photo location that you can go online and, and purchase these things for video editors and stuff like that. So yeah, I do that too. Yeah, I'm kind of like a lot of people and I just, just kind of a musical handyman, you know, um, you know, rather than just like, Hey, I only do painting or I only do brickwork. I've tried to just like do anything I can to stay close to home and provide for the family. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the worst path to being famous, <laughs> but it's an okay path to like, make sure that there's like rice and beans on the table every night. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> and so, so you've got four kids and, and your sweet wife. Yeah. Who I only know as oh, Sweet Annie, Annie, because when you talk Sweet about Annie. her, I love, <laughs> right. I love that. I've never met her, but I just know her as Sweet Annie. Um, oh, man. How do you, how do you stay creative with, with ki- like with the family? You know, I know we've talked yeah. about how um, it's kind of hard with like PBS Kids music going on in the background, and it kind of drives you a little bit insane. It can kind of suck some of your creativity, and I know. Most of your kids are older. Yeah, yeah. Well, our youngest is five, but then our oldest is almost 17. So, but yeah, most of them are kind of in that towards the adolescent stage. Right. Um, so first of all, I would say, I think it's a myth. We have this myth developed in our mind of like, hey, in order to be creative, you have to be like either independently wealthy or have a trust fund and do nothing but that thing. and don't have any family attachments and um, live in New York or LA or Nashville or something. The truth is, I feel like, and I'm going to try to prove this hypothesis with some, some evidence from my own life, but I feel like having a family makes your life richer and more creative. Um, so let me explain what I think. And this is just, I bet a million people will disagree with me, but I feel like it gives you purpose, like a deeper purpose. And so, whereas maybe before, and okay, nothing against any artists, like, but there are many top, because I mean, everybody writes about what's important to them. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of artists on top 40 radio that are still, that are in their 40s, like age wise, and they're still writing about essentially like adolescent love relationships. You know what I mean? Right. Like breakups and, and all that stuff. And that stuff's important. And it happens at all, you know, to all people at all ages. But um, there's more to write about than just that, you know? And I know that kind of sells because like, duh, you know, like the, the re- quote unquote record buying demographic is like age 13 to age 25, but that's not even relevant anymore because we now we stream. Um, right. So I understand why that, that works, but could you imagine if like the only shows on TV or the only novels written were only about adolescent love relationships that's all you could watch on netflix you know like that that's that's like a facet of life but only one of those facets of there's so many more topics to explore and so i feel like uh and of course i'm only talking about pop and maybe pop country music that that tends to do that um but i feel like having a family be involved in all those things from birth of children to raising children to the you know getting along with somebody in all of the complex sides of what that means in a long-term committed marriage you know 
um, it's a lot more deep and rich, I think, than the than your typical like uh, boy meets girl, boy breaks up, boy and girl break up, and I'm gonna write a song about it, you know. Um, so I, I feel like it actually gets you on a deep to a deeper level of what life is really about, the purposes of why are we here, who are we, and what do we really live for, you know. I feel like those are kind of experienced in the laboratory of the family in a real level, you know. So now nuts and bolts like daily routine how do you stay creative okay so that's another topic too you got to get up early at least for me and now as a new mother who you know you have a, a baby a sweet little baby to take care of sometimes you're like get up early what the heck i've been up all night <laughs> um but i so yeah that might come at a later stage but i found for me like there was one point when i had to get up about at 4 50 in the morning in order to like get stuff done and that was the only way to do it. And of course, that means getting to bed a little earlier, which is like the hardest part. For sure. You know, um, but I found that if I wake up early in the morning, there's kind of like, like there's there's little diamonds to be found in those early morning hours when nobody's awake, uh, your phone's not ringing, your email's not popping with stuff, you're not getting any notifications uh, or anything. And it's just like quiet and still. So I think that because I, I'm sure you could relate, like when it gets to be about noon or 10 in the morning or even one or two o'clock in the afternoon, you're not going to get any songwriting done. It's going to be really hard to do. So I think that's another like actual technique is like start the night of. My dad taught me that. Start the night of or the night before. You'd be like, OK, I'm going to make it to bed tonight by 10 o'clock or I'll start at 930 and then I'll make it by 10. Uh, and then in the morning, you, your body will naturally start to wake up a little earlier and you'd be like, oh, man, what am I going to do with this? This time, but I find like that time in the morning is so great for even if you're not going to like create anything, maybe even just practicing your instrument or something. Um, the other thing is deadlines, and uh, that's hard because if you're self imposing the deadline, it's super easy to be like, Well, we can move it because this came up. But uh, Walt Disney said, Oh, I'm gonna butcher this quote, but Walt Disney said something like, A dream doesn't happen without a deadline. And so you have to give yourself some sort of deadline. And that might mean committing to something like saying, okay, I've booked the studio and I'm having a drummer and a bass player come in in a month and a half. So I got to have something ready. And that kind of pushes you. So even having an artificially imposed deadline in some way kind of helps me. Yeah, know, it gives I find you some that motivation. Times, yeah, gives gives you some motivation to be like, I have to get this done by this or else, you know. Or I else. find there's times when I, or else, or else I waste <laughs> a lot of money or. But I find times when there's no deadline, like weeks will pass. And I'll be like, what did I do with yeah. that time? I mean, I filled it with lots of activities and to-dos and busy things. But what did I do of a significant value, like creatively? Oh, gosh, I didn't do anything. You know, yeah. it was just like taking care of business, keeping the ship afloat, so to speak, which could be important too. But right. All right. So, yeah, I feel like having a family actually in some ways makes you deeper on a creative level you know and i find that for example the the works of art that i most enjoy not all of them some whether it's painting or literature um a lot of those come from people who have lived a lot of different sides of life and, and experience and i think in a family you experience what a committed relationship is what selfless service is so i think those those uh, facets of life are important to explore and um and look at and also they enrich you and um you know create different newer layers that you didn't have before as before maybe it was this kind of surface level of like you know the teen bubblegum pop song being an example 
like that's cool it can be catchy and stuff but it's in terms of like deep philosophical lasting value as a work of art for our humanity maybe it's not that and that's okay maybe it's like it's more of a fast food hamburger than it is a you know a filet mignon right but it's hard to be like a filet mignon chef you know unless you've uh you gotta have some experience in some other areas that's totally just my opinion lauren i'm i know that that's like biased um and that's nothing against people that that don't agree with that i mean there's there's a place for every kind of music. There's a place for every kind of thing. But for me, the stuff that attracts me and that moves me the most, it's usually made by people who have suffered and done some things other than just, uh, you know, the surface level, selfish type activities that we're usually involved in. Whenever you, your oldest one is James, right? Yeah, James. That's right. Wow. Okay. Yeah, good memory. Um, whenever you first had him, did you have any sort of... I don't even know what to call it, like any sort of crisis, like, who am I? That's been a huge shift for me. Like, who was this girl before being mm. a mother? Does that make sense? Like, did you have a moment where you're like, I, I don't yeah. even know. I don't know who I am. What, I'm, what am I going to write about now? I mean, I guess that kind of just goes right back into what you're saying. Like, you have to kind of live through that and have those experiences. That's a totally valid question, Lauren. So that's a pretty significant life experience. And that's pretty, that's a lot deeper than maybe some of the things that you would think about or do before. Um, and so I guess the question would be, how do we define ourselves as people? And anybody creating, you know, how do you, where do you define yourself? And, um, you know, it's funny because, you know, there's a part in the Bible that says, you essentially in modern English, you need to lose yourself to find yourself. And so a mother, no one knows more about that than a mother. So you might ask yourself, well, what was I, what did I think I was before? And was that important? And were those things that defined me before, are they of, of lasting value? Um, and so losing, it's in a way, a mother having a baby is like losing oneself to find out what I, what really matters to me who i really am and so it might be that and of course as as a creative artist you probably have a lot of mental chatter as i do sometimes of like oh i'm supposed to be this i'm supposed to be doing this and what if all that wasn't true what if in reality you're actually developing a deeper and richer life and you're finding yourself through this experience just something to, to throw out there you know i found for me that was I guess I'll just leave it there. I mean, what if, what if that's the case? What if you're actually on the right path to discovering, wow, there were these other layers of gold and crude oil and dinosaur bones way down there in the earth that I didn't even know about in my own soul and my own being. I had no idea that was even there. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think you said that beautifully. We're all kind of sold on this idea of bright lights and big stages, but Really, that's not always the path to happiness. So I've had the pleasure of, um, for those of you podcast listeners right now, I've had the pleasure of being one of the band members of Lauren and Richie on their last two records, which has been an awesome privilege. And I've noticed based on her comment right now, you know, their, their first release was like full of this awesome youthful energy and just this coolest 
jam band slash songwriter slash openness to creativity approach. Now, we just recorded some of her new material, and I found it personally like to be more, more deep and more powerful and more like mature. And I could even hear it in your voice. It was just like, whoa, this is someone who's been through stuff. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. For me, the test is like, how much do I still love it after I've heard it? You know? And that's not so much to say like, you know, some pop music will really be catchy and stay with you for a long time. But then there's a time when you're like, okay, I've heard that song enough. Like, um, I love Taylor Swift, but like, I've heard Shake It Off enough. Like, I'm not going to go back and listen to that again. It's a cool song, super cool song, but like, I'm not going to gain any more in my life by listening to that one again. I don't feel like, personally, um, even though it's really cool. But now some of your stuff, like a day afterwards, I was like, man, I'm still feeling that song. Like, I'm still like figuring out what that's about. And, and it's deeper than just the surface of just listening to it one time. So, um, again, like you can't compare apples and oranges and pop music is kind of more, more one thing and, um, deeper singer songwriter stuff is, is another thing. So I really feel like, uh, your newer stuff was like recent stuff was more deep and more meaningful and long lasting. So just to cap what you were asking about of like, Hey, who am I? You know, now that I have a baby, can I still do this? Yeah. Can I still do this? And will people still like it? My wife always says, she's a big reader. She always says, she always tells me this quote. I forget who it is. I, don't, I wish I did remember, but she says, no tears from the author, no tears from the reader. Oh, wow. I love that. I'm sure it's somebody famous that I, some author that I should know and but we're going to attribute it to Annie Cash today. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet Annie. So one of my favorite things about your playing is the way that you dive so deep into the songs that you play on. Um, I feel like a lot of guitar players are really good at just playing what sounds good. And that's, that's great. But you really dive deep into the songs and find the meaning and play off of that. And that becomes a really big part of the message. Oh, man. Thank you. Because uh, it's worth it. Like, it's worth it. To, well, first of all, you have to start with great music. And we're talking right now about just being a participant or a band member in someone else's creation or song. The song, it helps if the song's really good, right? Because then you can get into it. But even if it's, even if it's not, which rarely ever happens, like most music is pretty darn well done that... that that is going to ask for studio musicians to play in it. But you still can get to know that person and like, like what, this person was feeling something, you know, and this song is important to this person. And so I find like, if you can get into what, and it could be as shallow as, Hey, what are you listening to now? What do you like? But it can be, it should be deeper. Like, well, Hey, what is moving this person? What's driving them? And um, what are they feeling when they do this? How can I feel that too? And um, do I feel that too? If I don't feel that too, what do I need to do so I can feel that too and, and contribute? But it really, and it goes deeper than that too. I think it really is, is goes back to an experience I had one time um, in terms of like uh, serving other people um, and what the purpose of what we do is. And it could go, this could be for a singer, songwriter, artist, or for a studio musician participating in someone's recording or any artistic endeavor. I guess you have to ask the question, why am I doing it? Um, 
who am I in it for? Am I in it for me? Uh, and that's a battle I've had to fight many for a long time. Uh, oh my gosh. I mean, that's a tough battle. It's not like it's over in one day. Uh, but there was one time when I was performing at a, um, it was a, like a women's convention. And a lot of the people that were there had been abused or uh, single moms or just had something tough in their life, you know? And I was supposed to get up and play like four or five songs. And the whole time I'm sitting backstage thinking, what in the world am I to contribute to these people? They have been through so much. I have no idea what I can offer to them, you know, because they all know more about life than I do. Uh, they've suffered more. And this, it was like this voice just came to my mind and it was this, it was very clear. These words, it's not about me. And then I was like, wow. It was like, it come from another place. It wasn't like from my own brain. It's not about me. And so I just started repeating that to myself. It's not about me. It's not about me. And what's crazy is the more I repeated that to myself, like the less nervous I felt. And I was like, this isn't about me. This is not about me. So as I went up there and performed, you know, it, it was cool because, and this does not always happen to me, but this one time there were many people that came up and not, they weren't, their comments weren't like, Hey, you have a nice this, or you did this cool, or I like that, or you're really good. It wasn't stuff like that. It was like, hey, um, I just lost my husband like two weeks ago. Mm. And when I heard that certain lyric of that certain song, I felt like he was next to me. Oh, wow. And then another lady just, you know, like people just spilling their guts about their life. Yeah. You know, that's the connection. You know, and when it's when it's about me, I find this is me personally. And again, I'm I've not conquered this battle yet in my life, and probably will take a lifetime to conquer it. But when I'm feeling like it's not about me, it's who's it about, and focusing on that person, then I feel like everything else just takes care of itself. Yeah. And it could be as technical as like, okay, well, maybe I know this little guitar lick or trick i can throw in here to sound really cool and then people listening will think oh he's a good player or maybe i can you know that's like the technical level and then, then deciding no that's not the right thing um but maybe the you know the thing would be like just playing the most the thing that would be best serving to that artist or that person or that person listening to you and maybe it means like someone really likes the song wagon wheel which for those of you <laughs> who don't know like the most overplayed song in the south is wagon wheel yeah. And people who request it, you're like, oh, geez, really? Okay, cool. We'll play it. But like, you know, the other I was playing at this hotel and uh, this guy requested Wagon Wheel. And you know what? So I played it for him and he absolutely loved it. Like, he was like, I'm in heaven right now. And so it's like, for him, that was really meaningful to hear that, you know, Yeah. Uh, that song. And so it's, again, it's like, wow, it's not about me. It just really isn't. It's not about like, do I want to play this song, this four chord song again? No, it doesn't matter. I don't matter, you know? Anyways, I'm giving you the longest answers in podcast history. Well, that's okay. I, I'm loving hearing your perspective on all of this. And that's what this is about. So, okay, I love this question. And I don't even know if I could answer it myself. But do you have a favorite song? The one song that just gets you every time? You know, I actually do. And that is a hard question because your favorite song could change. You're, 
Yeah, your favorite song could change with what age you are, what, what you're going through in your life and experiencing. But man, my favorite song is actually Last Goodbye by Jeff Buckley. Oh, man. And that could be tied with Jeff Buckley's cover of Hallelujah. Although that's you know extremely overplayed and stuff, whatever. I don't care. Like, that's good. It's beautiful. It's just good. I feel like that guy, he made some great art, you know? And then La- Last Goodbye is probably my favorite one. Like, actually, I could hear that and I can hear the combination of elements in it and it will still make me feel like this certain feeling every yeah. time. So that's my favorite song. Yeah. 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 Pretty well. And I haven't heard it for years, but so I might, you know, I might be wrong, but yeah, last, last goodbye by Jeff Buckley. Uh, it's probably my favorite song. I love that. I think that's such a cool question. All right. So do you have any tips for aspiring musicians? Any magic Justin Cash secrets? Um, learn to tune your guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Oh my gosh, one. no. I, I, I've probably spent, you know, weeks on end of my life actually just tuning instruments, you know? You know, because every day you pick them up, you have to tune it. That's kind of a joke there, but um, I would say <laughs> yes. I do have a tip that it's not really my own tip, Lauren, but it's something I heard from uh, Tim Pierce, who's a session guitar player in LA. Um, and he said this on one or two of his uh, video episodes, but I, I believe that it, I feel like I've tried to make it my own. He said, like, he said, these days, it's not enough to be good at one thing. You have to be good at everything. So yeah. whereas in the past, like maybe if you're on Andres Segovia, you can learn how to play the classical guitar and do that one thing the rest of your life. Or in the past, you could be uh, just a singer and only sing. And yes, there are people like maybe Carrie Underwood. I think she does write songs, of course. But uh, there are examples of these people that just do one thing and do it really well. But I think overall, it's more like, well, you have to kind of be good at everything. Right. Uh, That's a broad statement. That's pretty hard to take in. But more doable would be, okay, I can do this one thing. And in, in, in someone's case, it might be, well, I can, I can sing pretty well. Well, maybe I need to also learn how to write songs. And maybe I'm, I'm learning about songwriting. There's a couple more deeper, deeper things like that. Maybe I need to learn about writing melodies. I need to get good at writing melodies. Maybe I need to get good at writing lyrics and study that for a little while. And each time you get good at this new thing, it brings this other, probably going back to our original topic of, of you know, layers of richness and depth, it brings more richness and depth to your music. You know? Yeah, totally. And there will always be people that are talented enough, like maybe Luciano Pavarotti, although he's, you know, maybe a different uh, vintage, a different era. But um, people that are so talented in that one area, like maybe Adele, although she does write her own songs too, where it's like voice is so unique, so special that people are just clamoring to be like, hey, here's these 150 songs that we have for you to choose from. And they have, you know, everything else can be done for them. So some people are still like that. But I think. The, the rule is really, I, I mean, the majority is you're going to have to learn a lot of different things. Yeah. So say you're, in, you said advice for guitar players. Well, say you're learning how to play the guitar and say you're getting good at the acoustic guitar. Well, then maybe add electric guitar to that, you know, and it's a whole different world and, and thing to explore. But, um, and then maybe add some other instruments or then maybe learn, Hey, well, why don't I just learn how to basically like record myself, you know? Um, or when I learn a little bit about how to, uh, I don't know, it could go on forever depending on who you are and what you want to do. But I think that getting 
expanding your skill set and seeing yourself rather as rather than just a single bladed kitchen knife as more of like a leatherman where hey i got these pliers i can use i got a saw i got a file i got a phillips head screwdriver and i got two sizes of flathead screwdriver um, <laughs> that i can do and you know what there's even some wire cutters right here so that way if you you know you never know at what point in your career you're going to need one of those things you know um that would be my advice just get Get good at all the things that you're interested in doing um, and dedicate a little bit of time. And it won't maybe be like, okay, every day I need to spend five minutes on this and five minutes on that. It's more like it goes in, like you might have an epic of your life or an era where you're super interested in lyrics and getting good at writing good lyrics and studying other hit songs and even reading some poetry or classic literature and um, reading some books on lyric writing like a... Uh, um, Pat Patterson's book on writing better lyrics from Berkeley Press is really good. And there's several other ones, but uh, Andrea Stolpe, Stolpe, I think her name is from Berkeley, also wrote another book about it. But so you might dive into that for a year. And then you might be like, you know what, man, I want to increase my vocal range. And so how am I going to do that? And then you might actually be like, well, I'm going to actually do some vocal exercises every day. And then so you go into that. Um, or how can I sing with more expression? You know, so I guess what I'm trying to say is like, just don't be afraid to, uh, be good at more than one thing and it's okay and that's the new normal is you got to be kind of good at everything yeah i think that's great advice so what do you have planned for the future any new music coming out any goals i'm glad you asked so i'm probably at a different place than i was 10 years ago way different place and really my whole goal lauren right now is again it's more like what can i do to make a living for my family and stay close to home. Um, so, and during this whole epidemic, this pandemic, I'm sorry, we have had, it's just been a big wake up call. Yeah. Uh, I was doing a lot of work. I was gone a lot for the last 15 years. Not too much. I wasn't really on the road very much, but I was gone a lot of nights and our family really suffered. Like we've had, we had some major fallout this year that kind of came to light because of the pandemic and because we're all stuck together. And I've just really come to the realization that I don't want to be famous in any way. I want to serve others. I want to do, make, I still want to make a living doing what I love to do if possible. But if I have to do whatever, do lawn care or drive a UPS truck, cool. I'm, I'm actually cool with that. And I wasn't cool with that before. Uh, but this economic depression of like not having live gigs to play, living off of savings for multiple months, it's really humbled me to be like, oh, I'm, do, I'm cool to do whatever. Yeah. And I've actually got to the point where it's like, oh, I can hang up music. It's cool. Uh, I don't love that more than I love my family, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's been a good place to come. It's like they say about boot camp. Um, it's a good place to have been, but not a good place to be. So the pandemic for us has been that way for our family. Um, it's been, it's had some massive implications. But for the future, I envision myself continuing to just do everything I can in music to support my family. I don't seek any kind of recognition for it, but I do want to be able to put bread on the table using my skills um, if I can. And I think that's a big part of it for me is I want to continue to create. Uh, we talked about production music earlier. That's a really cool area because you can get kind of creative with that, you know, and uh, there's a lot of uh, ins and outs to the business, but you, know, you can actually be making music in your house recording stuff and writing and creating things 
and sending it out. And it does take a long time to get paid for those things. It's almost a three-year pay delay. Oh, geez. Um, uh, it's crazy. So you got to have other things going on at the same time. But if you build it up, you know, it can, it can be pretty cool. And I've done it for about 10 years now. And we're starting to see some, some good royalty checks come, by, come in. And they always kind of save the day. Pretty cool. Yeah. So my immediate plan is really just, or my plan for the future is really just lay low, I guess. Lay low, take care of my family, continue to develop and learn and grow at everything I can every day. Um, and just continue to try to find a way to navigate backwaters of the music industry to where I can make a living, be a good dad, be a good husband, and, you know, still do something to make the world a little better, which is totally different than when, you know, maybe 15 years ago, you would ask me and I'd be like, oh, I'm going to play on a stage in front of many people as possible. <laughs> totally valid dream for many people. And, but for me, it turned out that that was not maybe the path that would be the best path for me and for the, the longevity um, and sustainability of our marriage and family. And so I guess I chose, I'm going to choose those things over the other things that I thought. I have a friend in um, a buddy named uh, shoot, Ben Truman. We knew each other in college. He's actually the son of, I believe it's Dan Truman, who's the keyboardist for Diamond Rio. Um, and Ben told me one time, he's like, he, he said this thing that kind of flipped my mind the other way, you know, like a 180. He said, well, isn't having a family a dream too? Yeah. So, yeah. So that's it for me. All right, Justin, last question. Any funny or weird stories or experiences you'd like to share? <laughs> Let's see. Oh, yeah, many. Um, I'll sh can I share the funniest and weirdest gig I ever had? Yes, please do. Okay. So one time there's, there was this uh, fitness company. I won't say any names here, you know, just to protect the identity of those involved, but there was a fitness company and they were like, you're like a workout gym in, down, in, a, in a downtown city of no name um, <laughs> that was uh, doing like this launch, right? And so they, had a, they hired a DJ. And so then I got this call the week of and they're like, hey, look, we, want, we have this DJ hired and she's really good. She's really famous and well-known, but we need to have some kind of live music element there. Can you bring your guitar and maybe like play along? Like bring an electric guitar, just like jam along to the DJ track. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. I mean, as long as it's okay with your DJ. And they're like, oh yeah, it's fine. She's totally cool with it. So um, so that week, so I, I, I reached out to the DJ just to make sure, be like, hey, uh, it looks like this company put this together. I don't want to step on your toes. You know, um, so I'll hang out in the background and just kind of play some stuff. If that's cool with you, is that okay? And then I got like no response. And then all of a sudden I got a text and she's like, bring can you bring cables? And I'm like, yeah, okay, what kind of cables do you need? And then she had this like really weird request of this 40 foot long certain TRS cable, which is like, I don't even know they make them that long. Um, so I was like, I got some of those, but they're like five feet long. Can you buy some at Guitar Center? Oh my gosh. And I was like, well, <laughs> actually I, I'm a little busy before the gig. I, I got too much going on, but she's basically wanting me to buy her gear that she would need. And she's like, well, I don't, and she's like, are you bringing sound? I'm like, yeah, I want to bring sound for my, for my guitar for sure. And she's like, can you bring speakers for me, basically? And I'm like, well. And so anyway, it, so the whole thing turned out to like, she showed up with a laptop and nothing else. And just because I realized this could be a potential disaster, I brought my whole sound system. And when I realized, okay, she has nothing. Like she didn't have any gear. 
she, I guess she's used to showing up at places and having them do stuff for him. So I set up a whole PA system and everything for her, you know, wasn't part of our contract or the job, but, um, but I did it, you know, cause I realized, okay, this gig's not going to happen. Like there's no, no sound is going to be coming out unless someone does this. Yeah. So we set up, I set up this sound system in multiple rooms and everything. And then the weirdest part is like, okay. And then she showed up she's like, where's my table? And, uh, the people like were like scrambling around to like, Oh, we're so sorry. We forgot your table. Uh, we'll go find you a table. And she's like, it needs a drape too. I asked for a drape covering. So they, so they gave her this covering, you know, and she set a laptop up there. And this, so the weirdest part about this, and I have no hard feelings towards this girl at all, but the strangest part was she never said a word to me. Um, she just, most of the time was spent just playing. And I don't know if they were her mixes or some other, or just stuff she got online. I don't, I really don't know. They could have been stuff she created. I don't, I don't know. But she was basically playing her mixes and taking selfies and checking her email the whole time. (laughs) So awkward. um, I I just didn't, I was like, wow, this is a totally different world. Like I'm used to a totally different, you know, like the actual live acoustic music where you're communicating with the audience and the band works together. Yeah. But it was more like, it was like, it was just the totally the weirdest (laughs) thing ever, you know? And then at the end, I'm taking down the sound system and her boyfriend shows up with the car and she closes up her her laptop and she said one thing to me. She's like, we should do this again sometime. Hmm. And I was like, okay. (laughs) sure no thanks (laughs) but hey you know what again it's like it's not about me you know like so in that case i was hired as the servant uh and that's okay i was hired as like a handyman to help make this thing happen luckily i had the stuff in my truck to make the show happen i don't think she realized that if that stuff wasn't there she wouldn't have been heard but that's okay you know because it's not it's not about me um and i should admit like maybe 10 percent of me or maybe a little more was still a little miffed like geez you know what the nerve of that girl but then again those kind of experiences are so good for us because like really it's not about us and imagine the kind of personality you would develop if like everywhere you walked you just pointed and brown m&ms showed up or a red carpet showed up and you're like where's my limo where's my this where's my that i mean what kind of life would you be living and where would your heart be in 20 years if like that was your day-to-day existence people just yes men around you just doing everything for you and you know who knows uh but so that was a good humbling experience for me but also the strangest gig ever of all time and every time i was playing lauren i could just tell she hated it like she hated that there was somebody else there you know and so i tried to not be in the way but i did i just didn't know what to do to please everybody you know to make it work because that I'm, I'm being hired by this company to do my job and so I truthfully, whether or not she likes me, it doesn't matter. But if she hates me, that's going to come out for the people that are there. So that was the weirdest experience uh, of a gig I've ever had. Maybe that doesn't seem too weird to you. You've probably had weirder than that. No, that's that's pretty weird. Pretty uncomfortable. But you kind of saved the day, you know? Well, I hope so. Even though she didn't know it, uh, at least she still looked good. And that was, you know, at the end of the day, we want her to look good, right? She's the name and the person who, like, so yeah, and she she felt good enough about it. I was able to hide my bad feelings enough to where she's like, "Let's do this again sometime." <laughs> Whatever. I probably won't be there if she does it again. But <laughs> well, Justin, listen, thank you so much for being on the show. You're the best, and I really yeah, love talking to you. Man. So thank you. Uh, thank you. The, the the thanks comes from me to you for this opportunity. Thank you. We'll see you soon. All right. Bye.
See you, Lauren. Thank you so much for listening today. Once again, I'll be back next Wednesday with a brand new interview. Be sure to follow along on our social media on Facebook and Instagram at GroovelabPod. And send me a message if you've got someone you'd like me to interview. Stay groovy. Thank you.